The year was 1998. Colin, Colin. Uh, the year was 1998. Colin. <laughs> Communism had fallen in Russia. And one man, only one man, could bring true freedom to the Russian states that had gained their independence. And his name was and forever shall be Albert Pune, who we are watching his film Crazy Six tonight as an appreciation for his birthday. Happy birthday, Albert Pune. Ooh. He's still with us. He's still a friend of the podcast, and he's still doing Happy birthday, Albert. Yes, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Here's a movie that you never seen. The map is some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles, there'll be tears. You won't watch a movie for about eight billion years. It's time for death by video. Time for death by video. And now the show will begin. Uh, Lil couldn't be with us this evening, unfortunately, but she wanted me to say very, very happy birthday, Albert Pune. She's the only person, member of our podcast that has met Albert Pune in person. And uh, I was hoping to make it down to Los Angeles or to the the Las Vegas area at some point this year. However, you know, global pandemic, so we're kind of, that's kind of nixed and we'll probably be nixed for a long time. I don't see myself getting to the States until maybe the end of 2021 because I'm definitely not an essential worker. But uh, yeah, like uh, Crazy Six is a almost fugue state dream-like take on, um, which is interesting because the film was originally written to be shot in San Francisco, but they moved it to Bratislava in Slovakia. So so something funny, there was something funny happened on the way to the front basically uh, with making this movie. Somewhere along the way, things changed and uh, we have the feast for the eyes that is Crazy Six. Um, before we get into Crazy Six, though, um, do we want to talk about the things we watched since we last recorded? Has anyone watched anything interesting, I should say? Phil, what have you seen that's interesting? Yes. I watched a documentary from the 90s that I've been meaning to watch for many, many years, but finally got around to it because it was on Tubi. Yeah. Sick, the life and death of Bob Flanagan, super masochist. Mm-hmm. So if you know of Bob Flanagan, it's probably via, either you're in the uh, BDSM subculture or uh, you're a Nine Inch Nails fan and uh, you've seen the Happiness and Slavery video. Uh, I have not of either, but I've heard of this documentary. It was actually recommended to me one night in university when I was incredibly under the influence of several beers. And uh, I put on, uh, some people were like, Graham, you always bring a good movie, put a good movie on the TV. So I put on Itchy the Killer and it cleared the room, except for one guy who <laughs> sat, right next, yeah. <laughs> sat right next to me on the couch and was like, dude, I love this movie. And that made me very scared for my own personal safety. And then he started saying things like, have you ever seen this movie, Sick? Is that the, so is this the documentary where he dies during it? He did die making it because he had cystic fibrosis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like his his uh, his girlfriend or or significant other is his with wife. Him. Yeah. yeah, his wife. And do they film his actual death on camera? 
Yeah, they do. Uh, like he was at the end of his life, so uh, you, you do see like the last moments of his life in the hospital. Yeah, I kind of figured. So yeah, but uh, do you re- recommend yeah, it? Not one of the more disturbing moments in the movie, because I, I, uh, a lot of his performance arts, because his performance art involved uh, sadomasochism. So mm-hmm. um, to put it politely, he was best known for um, DIY uh, genital modification, genital piercing. Fun, cool. <laughs> That's probably the most polite way I can put it. You, you got to be known for something. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he definitely made his mark on himself. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Cool. Sick. Uh, what else? Uh, have you seen anything else, Bill? Uh, I watched the first episode of uh, Too Old to Die Young, the yes. Nicholas Winding Weapon miniseries, a.k.a. movie. <laughs> Well, um, he, he uh, they apparently can't like canceled it because uh, there's like, is there going to be a season two? And Nicholas Reffing was like, if they bring it back, sure, but they decided not to. Which, uh, but yeah. So your thoughts on the first episode, Phil? The, the first episode I really liked so far. It, um, I also it's also the first thing I've seen Billy Baldwin in in years, and he's uh, pretty unhinged. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> right. So um. So, um, it has the, uh, the trademark Nicholas Winding Refn flourishes, but, but in a good way. It was, I, I don't know how, you know, it, it could go either one way or the other for me, but thumbs up so far. Cool. I, I hope you stick with it. I really want to hear what you have to say. My, I, my favorite part is the, the car chase set to, to Mandy by, uh, is it Tony Bennett? Who does Mandy? Uh, Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow. Um, you did show us this scene at some point. Like it was an electric car chase. Really yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. The electric car chase, where the car runs out of gas, and the guys in the electric car are like, "Ha!" And then the electric car runs out of juice, and they're like, "Ah." Um. Yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely. <laughs> you'll never see anything else like like it was definitely like Amazon was like. We just want you to do a TV series. Do whatever you want. And Nicholas Ref- Winning Reffing was like, challenge accepted. And he tested their patience, and they were like, let's uh, let's let's not have you do any more TV series. Go back to making movies. But you do that. Um, Kit, have you seen anything interesting since we last recorded? Uh, I have. Um, well, first, are my am I coming through all right? Yep, I can hear you fine. Okay, good. I wasn't sure because my image is like, who knows. <laughs> um, I took the last week to uh, actually um, cross a few 80s films off my uh, list that I hadn't seen yet. Um, the first of those was Dirty Dancing. <laughs> What'd you think of that? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. You can you can see why it's a cultural touchstone for people. You know, like I don't I don't begrudge it. It's not really my thing. Did enjoy the Jerry Orbach action. He's just he just wasn't in enough movies. Mm. Agreed. A lot of Wayne Knight in that movie too, which was a, a pleasant surprise. Hmm. Uh, but you know, not bad. Peak Swayze. Uh, then I watched The Dead Zone. Uh, it's a Cronenberg film I hadn't yeah. seen yet. That was his so first good. film not to be set in Canada. Hmm. Scanners was set in Canada too. Yes, he Cronenberg. Yeah. One of the the big fights he had with the studio in making The Dead Zone was he wanted to set it in Canada, and they were like, "You can't set a movie in Canada." 
And he's like, why not? I do that with all my other movies. And they were like, but no one in America will see this. And he's like, I beg to differ. Like, no one's ever turned up their nose because... I don't think... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I I agree. I think I agree with what your point was going to be. Is that I don't think Americans care that much about that shit. I think it's what studios think that Americans care about. Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever, it's... Yeah, I guess they would have to change the plot point instead of there being a presidential election be a prime minister, federal prime minister election. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not a presidential election in the film either. It's a... Um, he's like a he's, senator. He's running for senator. And then... Um, oh, right. Yeah, Christopher Walken's able to see that his political ambitions will eventually lead to the White House where he will, in a rather hilarious futurism kind of display um they put their like palms on the on the device that i guess destroys a country like sends the nukes or whatever mm-hmm. well yeah i mean i guess if he tried to make the dead zone canadian there'd be like a huge leaf that canada had nuclear weapons and like it would be like you know oh man the prime minister of manitoba is a psychopath one day he's going <laughs> to, to the prime minister's office and then he'll have to get parliament to pass a decree to, to nuke some country so <laughs> Maybe, maybe. But anyway, maybe it was the best. it was fun. I think the uh, problems I had with it were more to do with the story, and I have no idea whether that has to do with the um, adaptation or the original source material because I haven't read. Well, the Dead Zone. I, I read the book The Dead Zone first, and then watched the movie. And what happens in the movie is they just take the book and cut out half of it. So, like, I think it, in terms of adaptation, it's actually pretty much a straightforward one-to-one habit. Like the scenes from the book that are the most memorable are in the film, but they don't have the, the, the parts of the book around it to really fill it out and like bring you who these characters are and why they're acting the way they're acting. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Phil? Yeah, it also had, and I also inspired the iconic SNL sketch of uh, Christopher Walken uh, touching people's hands and uh, predicting uh, very banal details. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. I forgot about that. <laughs> you leave the coffee on top of your car. <laughs> Be careful about that coffee. Yeah. And the, the final 80s movie that I finally got around to was uh, the British movie, the British drug movie with Noel and I. Mm. Yes. Love that movie. Which, yeah, I enjoyed. I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, Jimmy's movie has not aged well. Yeah, it's it's got some <laughs> problematic elements. I wouldn't even, I don't know if it, yeah, I guess it could be. It's, it, at face value, it's pretty much homophobia, but it is more just like there's an older guy coming on to a younger man who doesn't want his advances kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, yeah. that, that, that could describe any night at the Cineforum in Toronto, unfortunately, from what I've heard. I feel it, it does have some sympathy for the, the Monty character, who's the older guy, played by uh, What's-His-Face of Harry Potter movie fame. Dumble something or other? I don't know. Uh, he's in the Harry Potter movies. I just can't remember the actor's name. Richard something. Cool. Um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much my seeing this week has a giant joint in it i've never seen such a big joint (laughs) yeah very surprised i had not seen this movie during my uh heyday of taking drugs and doing stuff like that it's it's also amazing that they were able to get like not one but like two Jimi hendrix songs on the soundtrack like that's when before licensing music became like such a like a huge ordeal it's got a great soundtrack Mm -hmm. yeah well i always remember that like they um what song was it like something on the simpsons 
they got a Jimi Hendrix song for a for a flashback, and then mm-hmm. but they initially wanted to have like some other like I figured it was like some Grateful Dead song, but they couldn't afford the Grateful Dead song, but they could afford the the Jimi Hendrix song. And they're like, it's just such a crazy world that we live in, where now like the certain songs aren't like the entire cost of certain budgets of movies. Yes, Phil. Yeah, also because I watched both Wayne's World movies a lot as a kid, it was just kind of jarring the first time I watched with Neil and I. Uh, yes. Seeing Ralph Brown, I guess that was like the first time he basically did a variation of that character. Because there was an interview with like Ralph Brown, like he sort of like bottled it off of like his old neighbor. Uh, yeah, I, I recognized like him immediately. Movie. Yeah. On Wayne's World 2, and I was like, oh, that's that guy. That's where yeah. he comes from. That's why he's in Wayne's World 2. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, but uh, so uh, I'm going to talk about three films uh, since we last recorded. One is called At the Drive-In, which is a documentary about the Mahoning Drive-In in Mahoning, Pennsylvania. And it's, it's streaming currently on Amazon Prime. I highly recommend everyone watch it. It is such a great story of how you basically make lemonade out of lemons. Um, the Mahoning Drive-In in 2014 was facing with a lot of smaller theaters and drive-ins were facing, which was the total and complete removal of film prints of new films in circulation. So I think the last film to actually get, like last wide released uh, movie on 35 millimeter film was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. And so the Mahoning wow. Drive-In was faced with, well, either we shut down because we can't keep getting new movies or we, and we can't afford to get a new $100,000 projector that we'll then have to replace in five years with another $100,000 projector. Um, so we're, how do we survive in this situation? And uh, they decided to take a leap and started the first ever repertory drive-in cinema where they only show uh, older films on 35 millimeter. And it's, it's, it's a fascinating story because it was, it's basically the theater was like run by one person and two peep, two film guys just like, there's a drive-in theater, like, can we volunteer here? And they kind of turned it into the repertory cinema that it is. And uh, they do a lot of interesting stuff. Like they, um, they do yearly, they do what's called bite night, which is, Jaws and Jurassic Park back to back. They will do Friday the 13th entire weekends where it's all night long and you actually camp at the movie theater, at the drive-in. And they also do VHS Fest in the summer, which is where they have figured out a way to project VHS tapes on a drive-in movie screen. And they have like swap meets and all kinds of activities. They famously also did a Ninja Turtle weekend where they had Ninja Turtles one and two on 35 millimeter. And they had like a full-size Ninja Turtle there. They had April O'Neil going around interviewing people. Um, super fun, and and it's such a, a a story of like literally small independent uh, business in Mahoning, Pennsylvania, like in the middle of nowhere, doing well and having people from all over North America, all like traveling also overseas, like people that were coming from Europe and planning their vacation would make sure to stop into the Mahoning Drive-in for a weekend. Yeah, these stuff. So I, I highly recommend it. It's, it's a great great documentary, uh, not too schmaltzy because it just shows how like just awful and difficult it is to run a drive-in movie theater where it's like every day there's so like I have to walk like basically a football field picking up garbage um, despite the fact that there are garbage cans everywhere um, and just the fact that like if they do a like have a film like they had this great scene where they were supposed to screen Jaws and Jurassic Park and Jaws didn't show up and so it's like how do you get there's no 35 millimeter print of Jaws just lying around 
So they actually bought two auditorium standard definition uh, projectors, stacked them on top of each other, aimed them at the stream in the same at the same angle, so that like it would be twice the brightness of one, and projected Jaws off of a laptop, just being like, "Oh my God, we're freaking out." And then that led them to do their VHS fest, where they now stack three projectors on top of each other to project on screen. But they still are primarily 35 millimeter. The the digital is just there to do like if someone wanted to premiere, to premiere a film or to do their VHS fest is what it's for. But it is a primarily 35 millimeter drive-in. Um, I talked for way too long about that. <laughs> um, but it's great. Watch it. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is Peter Bogdanovich's first film, Targets. Um, ah, yes. Ah. I, it's really, really good. I saw it for the first time on the Criterion channel. There's been many a cheap DVD of it because I think it fell into public domain for a while. Um, but it is dynamite. Like the, the remastered version that's on the Criterion channel is great. Uh, it's very, especially like in Canada where we had the largest mass shooting uh, only a month ago. It's, it's so poignant and so of our time as much as it was that their time. And I just wish that like you, and you could totally remake it with like say Kane Hodder in the, um, in the Boris Karloff role where he's like, like, I can't keep doing these movies where I just show up and kill someone. Cause like, Hey, it's the guy that played Jason four times. Um, and then he has to go to like a screening of one of those movies at a drive-in and foils a mass murderer. That'd be great. Have you seen the film kit? Target? No, I, I, I haven't. I don't think I've seen any Bogdanovich films. See targets. You've seen targets, right, Phil? Oh yeah. Prepare- it's been a while since I've watched it. I'd like to rewatch it before it leaves the channel, I think at the end of this month. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I have been going through uh, the end of month stuff and I did, because uh, there's one Columbia Noir that's leaving at the end of the month, uh, mm-hmm. Murder by Contract, which is a, uh, it's a favorite of Scorsese and uh, the Safties gave a shout out to it as well. Probably a Tarantino favorite as well. Cool. Yeah, I, um, I also watched, even though I'm not going to talk, talk about it too much uh jean-pierre melville's un flick um because it's leaving as well really great uh, really interesting film liked it a lot yeah i, li- I like jean-pierre melville i haven't watched that one yet so. mm-hmm. yeah i really love uh les samurai uh movies yeah. um and then the final movie i want to talk Cirque about rouge is uh my favorite of what i've seen of his Cool, cool. Uh, so the final movie I want to talk about before we get into Crazy Six is one I can't talk about much because that would ruin it, and that is the film One Cut of the Dead, which blew up the festival scene in 2018 and 2019. It's currently streaming on Shudder. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs screened it uh, last week on his uh, Joe Bob Briggs drive-in show. Uh, I highly recommend everybody watch One Cut of the Dead, and I'm not going to say anything else other than don't stop watching the movie. Like If the credits roll, keep watching because the movie is not done, not even close. Um, it goes in ways I never would have expected, and uh, it's it, it's described as a horror comedy, but not it's not really either. I mean, it's, I mean, it, it is definitely comedic and it's a comedy, but I don't know horror, maybe, maybe not. So that's that's what I've seen. So that that being said, let's get into. Um, Albert Pune's Crazy Six. You know my friend here, Mr. Crazy Six? Crazy Six? Six one, born in my family. And you're crazy? A little bit. Eastern Europe. 
communism is dead. In its place, opportunity. I tell you what, I'm joking, boy. You clean yourself up, maybe I'll give you some gainful employment. But with every opportunity, a big score, real big, there's risk. It's going to be a war? A little bit, you told You got 48 hours. I think maybe some people come look for you, huh? You have something that belongs to me. Rose got my girl. I want you to tell me where six is. You will tell me. We all got a death wish. Anything comes back to me, I come back to you. Everything will come back. Things are getting out of hand, even for this place. Apologize. I I'm sorry. Not to me, you imbecile. To her. I got a plan. You want my help? Rob Lowe, Ice T, Burt Reynolds. Just kept the bullshit. Oh my God, the cops were bust. Crazy Six. Let's do it. Let's get down. So crazy six. Yes, uh, with a, a stacked cast. I was talking to uh, to guest of the podcast, Scott Sherich. Um, Sherich. I don't know why I said Sherich. That's because that's how my phone. Whenever I say, "Hey Siri, call Scott Sherich," it's like calling Scott Sherich, and I'm like, "No, that's not his name." Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, Scott Sherich. I was talking to him on the phone yesterday, actually. Um, uh, who was on our last episode, Belly. And it will actually be, so just so that you guys know, uh, this episode is actually going up before our episode on, what did we watch last time? Event Horizon, just because I want to get this up close oh, to right. actual actual birthday. Um, so this will be going up before Event Makes Horizon. Sense. But um, but I was telling him, because I was like, yeah, so Albert Pugh, you know, he made this movie in the late 90s called Crazy Six, uh, and it stars Rob Lowe, Ice-T, Burt Reynolds, Mario Van Peebles, um, and and he was just like, what? Like, what? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, wait, wait, wait. So this came out in 1998, and I was like, yeah. He's like, isn't that the year that Boogie Nights came out? And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it was. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, the thing is, like, with Rob Lowe in this movie, this is what he did in between the two Austin Powers films. So he was not on the rocks at all. Like, he just did because a lot of people are like oh the only reason he did that direct video movie is because he was on the rocks it's like no he did austin powers international man of mystery crazy six and then austin powers the spy who shagged me yeah but i wonder if burt reynolds had uh he just like went to like slovakia for like a weekend and shot um crazy six in between like striptease and boogie nights possibly yeah it looks to me like burt reynolds yeah, was there for a day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, because he kind of comes into the movie and then disappears, and then yeah. just comes to the very end again for no reason. Well, I think he kind of is like uh, Christoph Lambert in Mean Guns. Although Christoph Lambert, yeah, that's like he's in the whole movie, 
uh, and they only mm-hmm. shot him for a day. Whereas, like, I think Burt Reynolds probably gave him like two days because he, yeah. inter- like, Burt Reynolds at least interacts with some of the cast. Like, he he shares yeah. the frame with them. Um, but uh, Albert Pune was really good about like how to like uh, disguise the fact that people aren't really around. Like, apparently. Ice T never interacted with any of the other cast members, like the, the lead cast members, that is, in mm. any, any of the shootouts, other than Ivana Milicevic, because she they actually had to stand side by side. Um, speaking of Ivana Milicevic, yeah. she plays the uh, the lounge singer. Um, uh, what's her name? Aunt Anna. Um, that's the other thing too. I got to point out about Albert Pune movies. I always know the characters' names. Like you don't. There's none of that whole like. It's just this guy. Like. Um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Rob Lowe plays Billy. Uh, Ivana Milicevic plays Anna. Burt Reynolds plays Dakota. Uh, Ice T plays Raul. And I'm not. I'm, this is from memory. Raul. I didn't write this down. Raul. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I can't Mar- remember Mario Van Peebles' name. Dirty yeah. Mao. Dirty <laughs> Mao. Dirty Mao. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's post-communism. Yeah. Oh right. Now I get it. Now I understand. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Rob, Rob Lowe should be credited in this film as Rob Danger Lowe because it's really a <laughs> new persona for him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say Rob, Rob, Lowe, Rob Lowe. Lowe has no range. Like, oh my God. Like, I, 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 I legitimately love this movie. Like, I thought it was, this is my first time watching it. It had style. Like, I was not bored, and I watched it late at night. I didn't fall asleep. I didn't even drink coffee, and I was, like, just in it. Um, But, like, Rob Lowe does not, like, his whole, like, I'm a drug dealer walk, where, like, he just, his his acting as, like, a, as a method is tilt my head forward and look at the ground and put my hands in my pockets. That's it. That was his thing. His wig was, was unforgivable. Although, Burt Reynolds' toupee was, woof, it was rough. Uh, yeah. Um, well, at least yeah. he's wearing like the Turd Ferguson Stetson for most of his scenes. He is. I know. I was very pleased to see him in a cowboy hat because I don't think he'd worn a cowboy hat since the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he had some pretty funny one liners like, what was it? Like, I wouldn't trust Raul if his balls were on fire and I had a bucket of water. Um, my favorite, <laughs> though, has got to be Son, I'm over 50 years old. Yesterday I ate a sandwich older than you. And you're just like, what does that mean? <laughs> what's, what's the point of that expression? Um, yeah. Are you guys there? You just why, why would you have a sandwich for that long and then eat it? The mayonnaise would have turned brown. Like, don't do it. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to turn to uh, the book about Albert Pune, which is Radioactive Dreams, the cinema of Albert Pune by Toronto's own Justin uh, De Cloud. I don't know. De Clue, maybe? Maybe De Clue. Um, uh, he, uh, basically the film's tagline is communism is dead, opportunity is in. Uh, his opening, so the opening uh, line Justin wrote about the film is at a certain point, all of Albert Pune's films started to take place in purgatory. Which you could, I mean, I don't think this is really purgatory. Like, the characters go outside, they interact with the real world. But it is odd that all of these, like, Americans wound up in Bratislava uh, in the drug trade. Yes, Kit? I just, like, uh, I just love the, the kind of vision of Eastern Europe after communism. It's just, it's basically... Um, nightclubs and just desiccated, burned-out buildings, and that's it. 
<laughs> and one nice park. It has one nice park. Yes. From what I understand, that was mostly true. Because uh, I was doing some research into how could Putin just totally take control of that entire country? Then it's like, well, for 10 years after communism fell, it was the mob that just ruled everything. Phil. Yeah, so um, I think what we also forgot to mention is that it, uh, it also, the movie also arguably fits into your uh, favorite subgenre of movies set in the near future. Yes, because the near it future. Is, because it's a decade after communism, this movie was made in 1997. Mm-hmm. So if we're going off of uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall is the end of communism. At the earliest, this movie is set in 1999. <laughs> so going off the fall of the Soviet Union, this movie is set in late 2001. Maybe this movie is from the same universe as Belly. Because they uh, both take place yeah. in 1999, but were released in 1998. Makes sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, by the way... Sorry. Yep. Uh, I want to say Nas from Belly acted in a movie for Albert Pune, which I was yeah. surprised to find out. He was in the film. Uh, what film was it? Nas was in the film Ticker. With Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal, yes. And I think was Snoop Dogg in that one? Snoop Dogg did a bunch of movies with Albert Pune around this time. What were you going to say, Kit, before I cut you off? Oh, just uh, was hoping we could get into the the insane title cards that begin the movie. Yes. Hot pink title cards. Did you write them all down? I did, yes. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, okay, so before you see anything, any scenes, any characters, you get a black screen and then pink pink letters. And in large letters, it says Eastern Europe, all caps. And then we get lowercase after the fall of, dot, dot, dot. And then communism. And then... Where once there was hope, now dark visions rule. <laughs> and then now it is a trade route for smuggling drugs, weapons. Fortune hunters came from all over the world. Criminals, addicts, lost souls. Now the region is called Crime Land. And that's that's what begins the movie. <laughs> I kind of I kind of like dark visions rule. I want to see that like spray painted on walls. Yeah. Dark visions rule. No, this uh, is like the California gold rush of uh, <laughs> the drug trade, I guess. This, drugs uh, and weapons. Yeah. Yeah, Ice T's character Raul is a arms dealer, as we discover, I guess. Because he's got plutonium that they just hide in a wall somewhere. That was that was like and, uh, this, was like. Confirms- hmm. That was how he took care of his plutonium. What were you gonna say, uh, Kit? Oh, just that uh, Ice T looks great in turtlenecks, and uh, he should he should rock that look. It was a it was a good look for him. He also sat down a lot in this movie. He did. If you notice, he's mostly just sitting down. Um. So let, let's yeah. So let's get into it. So we are introduced to our main character. So by the way, Crazy Six isn't that there's six guys and they're crazy. It's that uh, Rob Lowe's character's Billy. His nickname is Crazy Six. Um, and right away, I totally didn't realize Tom Matthews was in this movie. And when he showed up, I was like, yes. I like anytime Tom Matthews is in a movie, I'm happy. Yes, Kit? Who, who is Tom Matthews? So Tom Matthews plays, I guess you could kind of call him. Our, no, I mean, I know his character, but who is he? Oh, as an actor? Yeah. So he, um, he, he's well known in the horror community because he, he starred in 
Return of the Living Dead Part One. He played Tommy, Jar- grown up Tommy, Tommy Jarvis in uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Jason lives, so he's the the he plays the grown up version of Corey Feldman from Part Four, and he actually returned recently twice to to reprise his character's grown up Tommy Jarvis. He appeared in the short film Never Hike Alone as Tommy Jarvis, and he also voiced the character in the Friday the Thirteenth video game that's currently available. Um, and he also appeared in Dangerously Close. Like his, uh, that was his first collaboration with Albert Pune. And they went on to uh, collaborate on a few other films. I'm going to read them out for you right now. Um, so the, he was in Dangerously Close, Down Twisted, Alien from L.A., Blood Match. And in Blood Match, he played the character Brick Bardo, which is a name that Albert Pune uses repeatedly, which was the name of Tim Thomerson's character from Dollman. He also appeared, of course, in Nemesis. He was the guy who was, like, face detached and had the gun in his face. Um, he was in Kickboxer 4 with Albert Pune. Uh, Heat Seeker, Blast, which is Albert Pune's riff on the, uh, the Die Hard in a, or on a thing. Um, and Mean Guns, of course, and then Crazy Six. I think Crazy Six was probably his last collaboration with Albert Pune. Because this is when Albert Pune started going off and shooting much more in Europe, but also doing a lot more lower, much lower, lower, lower budgeted work um and so yeah tom matthews is well known in the uh 80s horror community and he's just he's an awesome actor he's a great presence on screen um and it was good to see him again because he kind of plays like the he actually plays like almost the voice of reason in the whole movie like the guy that's like are you sure we want to rip this plate these guys off like what are you doing why are you like you know you lied to me about everything and you got my girlfriend killed um, but yeah, so we meet our, the first three characters, which are Billy, AKA crazy six played by Rob Lowe. And then we get Tom Matthews who plays Andrew in the film. Um, and, uh, Andrew's girlfriend, uh, Viana, which is, who is played by Blanca Kleinova, who I, I'm not very familiar with. Um, on IMDb, she only has one credit, uh, which is crazy six. So, hmm. I don't know. I didn't think she was actually, I actually thought she was good. Yes, Phil. I wonder if she was just like some Eastern European singer who was just randomly discovered for this movie. She's big in, in Slovakia. Yeah. I could see that. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought she was actually good. I mean, their, their plot is basically to use her as a decoy. They team up with Mario Van Peebles who plays a very suspect Frenchman. Like his, it's like he starts getting out, and like I'm like, what accent is that? And then he says a couple French words, some like French nonsense, like mon chéri and mes amis, and you're like, yeah, it's so unnecessary. To French now, yeah. He doesn't need to be French. He could just have an American accent. I guess they just they wanted to make it seem like I guess there's too many Americans in Europe already, so they're like, we need to add a a French guy here. Yeah, yeah. French accent. And Mario Van Peebles appeared in our episode on The Exterminator 2, which I think was our third episode way back, way, way back. Um, He's, of course, known for, he directed New Jack City, and he also directed the film Badass, and he's directed other projects as well. Yes, Kit? Also, uh, as I learned in the credits, his his son Max is is in this, Mm -hmm. uh, who would later be in the Carlitos Way sequel, I believe. Really? I didn't see that that credit uh, for him. Was that the one with Poppy? He's he, no, he's just one of his henchmen that doesn't do. I don't even think he has any speaking lines, but he's he gets yeah. a little credit at the end. Max von Peebles, and you see his face, and you're like, oh, that's who that was. 
Yeah, so he, uh, he, this is only one of four acting roles for him. The other being his father's film, Sweet, Sweetback's Badass Song from 1971. Um, sorry, not, it's not, it, sorry, uh, Max Van Peebles isn't uh, Mary Van Peebles' son. Brother? He's his brother. Oh, okay, um, that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, he's Mary Van Peebles' brother, so he appeared in Sweet, Sweetback's Badass Song back in 1971. He looks young. He appeared in Hot Shot in 1986. And Whippet in 2009. Um, he also wrote two songs for the Whippet soundtrack, which is Fun, Love, uh, Fun Dream, Love Team, and Get Up, Get Down Tonight. And he's also worked as an assistant director on uh, some TV shows and a couple of his, his brother's projects. Um, so, yeah, so it's an interesting cast. You can definitely tell it was just sort of Mario Van Peebles being like, just come with me to Europe. We'll put you in the movie. Um, and that's what happened. <laughs> Uh, so we meet up with Mary Van Peebles and like he, they basically plan like, okay, we're going to rob this guy for all of his money. But Rob Lowe, AKA Billy, AKA crazy six wants to rob him for his plutonium. Yes, Kit. Can I point out that this is the worst idea ever hatched? The worst criminal <laughs> idea ever even thought of? Like they've got zero plan and it just goes to shit immediately. I kind of think that's a realistic plan for cause it. Because... <laughs> Because here's the thing about criminals. Anyone who thinks they can solve their life's problems through crime don't have the best sense. So to them, it's like, yeah, we're going to send in my girlfriend to pretend to be a prostitute that they ordered. And then we're just going to come in and, like, and shoot at people and like hold guns to people's heads. It's flop. So like stay in the area afterwards, like not leave, just yeah, hang out. We'll, we'll go downstairs and hang out outside their apartment and just <laughs> wait a while and it'll be fine. It's great. I love it. It's, it's so like, yeah. Um, do we ever understand? Cause like, uh, so they steal the money, which Marilyn Peebles gets. And then what was Rob Lowe going to do with the plutonium? I know he wanted to sell it to buy crack, but was that it? Like I couldn't, I couldn't really. That was my understanding of it. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know which crack dealer is like, yes, finally got me some plutonium. Now I can make that nuclear crack. Um, <laughs> By the way, later on, when Ice-T is trying to force uh, Anna to smoke crack, I was like, you could just blow it out. And then she did it. I was like, oh, smart. Because I was like, you just you put the crack right in, you just go, and it's like, done. It's like when somebody holds a, a match or something to someone's face in a movie, I just go, like, why don't you just go, and like, just be like, yeah, you can't burn me with a match. Um. So, uh, so they do that. Things go wrong, like, immediately. They, everybody kind of splits up. Uh, Crazy Six, a.k.a. Billy, a.k.a. Rob Lowe, and, uh, and Dirty Mao go to a nightclub where Anna is singing. And uh, Dirty Mao thinks of Anna as still being a prostitute, apparently. So Anna used to be an addict, but she's been clean for five months. Yes, Kit? Oh, I just, does somebody want to describe Rob Lowe's look? Uh, definitively, I think you do, Kit. Well, I don't know if I, if I can. Uh, he just got oh, one of those dirtbag mustaches, like one of the um, handlebar. Handlebar, thank you. That's what they're called. And he wears the same clothes throughout the entire film. The same kind of off-white, dirty shirt, um, kind of used uh, army jacket, Graham. Everybody wears the same clothes throughout the entire film, I noticed. 
but it's just it's so bizarre and then like a spoiler i mean we're gonna go through the whole film but he's like uh he can't get clean he can't get off the rocks and then he finally does he's still <laughs> wearing the same clothes <laughs> yeah not he's like i told you i could get clean dude you're wearing the same he, to be fair he did pull his hair back into a ponytail i didn't notice that, that that's the difference that's clean the sign up that you've got your life together <laughs> clean dirty six dirty six clean crazy six versus dirty crazy six is a ponytail that's it they should have uh they should have kept uh ice t's character alive and then shown him without his ponytail just riddled with uh crack addiction yeah yeah didn't happen though um but yeah so it's it's yeah and roblo's wig is like he's in shadow a lot but but yeesh um so uh, almost right away, uh, some of Raul's men go into, basically Raul is given 48 hours by the Russian mob to get the plutonium back. Roblo's plan is, when we split up, I'm just going to stick this in a wall in public where anyone can see it and then come back and get it later. And spoiler alert, Tom Matthews gets it. Like before, like Roblo comes back and he's like, where'd it go? And Tom Matthews is like, I saw you put this in the wall. Everybody did <laughs> We didn't, like, you said bye, and then we all walked five feet, and then you went and just put it in a wall. (laughs) Like, we saw what happened. Come on, man. I get you're a crack addict, but, like, geez. Um, uh, What else? So they're at at the club, and, like, we get to see. So at first, I wasn't sure if Anna's character was meant to be, like, a a Greek chorus for the film, because it starts off with, like, lots of crossfades. Go ahead, Kit. Well, just like the, I was going to mention the song that she's singing, and I, I also thought that maybe she'd just sing throughout the film, but it's um, Something Wicked This Way Comes. I wonder if you can get the soundtrack for this. Cause... I, I like the song. It was good. <laughs> and the lyrics. Uh, the lyrics, yeah, like I, I recognize it. Um, but uh, what I was going to say is, um, so this film also kind of marks the start of Albert Pune experimenting with the form of his films as well, because... Normally when directors go to experiment, they experiment in like a short film or a music video or a commercial like Tony Scott did with his hand crank cameras in the late 90s, early 2000s and the double exposures. And so early on, Albert Pune, as opposed to just doing hard cuts, will do a crossfade. And I was kind of like taken aback by this, initially being like, oh, it's just somebody getting a digital editing uh, tool for the first time and just overusing it like, you know, Starwipe and Starwipe and stuff. Uh, but then later on, he does this interesting thing when Rob Lowe and Ivana Milicevic go to buy drugs and the drug dealer attacks them. They do a double exposure. Yeah. And, and they do a double exposure showing two different points in time during this, this fight. And I realized that I think the, the reason for him doing the, the, the crossfades as opposed to hard cuts when he could have done, done it easily and the double exposure is actually him trying to put the audience in the head of Rob Lowe being in withdrawal from from drugs because everything's kind of like swimming in his head. Yes, Kit? Yeah. I I felt like most of the movie was trying to put us into uh, Rob Lowe's crack haze. Yeah. That's how I felt for most of the film. (laughs) It's all like blowing wind soundscape the entire time too. Everything seems cold and desolate and um, uninviting. Mm-hmm. I do have to say though, so you guys watch this on, on it's on Tubi and Amazon Prime. 
Um, I, I have the Blu-ray of it, the remastered Blu-ray. And I was telling Phil before you came on, Kit, that the Blu-ray looks fantastic. Like, it looks like the movie was shot yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. So they did a really amazing restoration job. And I'm not sure, I haven't watched it streaming on Tubi or Amazon Prime yet. I'm not sure if it's the same transfer, or it might just be a thing of, like, the compression for, um, for streaming. Because, Phil, you were saying this movie looks extremely late 90s. Yes. Mm-hmm. The agreements. Yeah, yeah. Mario Van Peebles fashion, definitely late 90s. Like, the pastel suits with the big shoulders. Um, especially coming off of watching The Last Dance, where, like, anytime anyone is wearing a suit, it's like, oh, my shoulders big. go, like, big boxy suits. <laughs> like, my shoulders, like, don't fit through a, through a doorway. Um, so where are we now? So we're, we're only in the club scene. Um, <laughs> there's just so much to talk about when it comes to Crazy Six, um, but we'll, we'll blow through the. Well, we do part. learn the. Uh, we do learn the origin of Crazy Six's nickname. He gets introduced to Anna. They have a brief um, chat. Mm-hmm. And he's the he's the youngest of six. Apparently, That's how yeah. he got the name. Exactly. One, two, like Fox Force Five. There's five of them. And he's always just like Rob Lowe's character. Rob Lowe's portrayal is basically just always like, uh, you know, just a series of like regretful glances and, and thoughtful looks and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so then there is a shootout at the nightclub where uh, basically Raul's men see uh, Billy and Dirty Mal there. And there's a shootout. In the shootout, Anna gets like uh, a light, I guess a flesh wound from a from a bullet hit, and she warns Billy right away, and she recognizes Billy, but Billy doesn't, or AKA Crazy Six, but Billy doesn't recognize her. And apparently we learn that her brother, who is also an addict, and Billy used to do jobs together. Like I guess they used to rob drugs or rob money to, to get drugs. Um, and then we are taken to basically uh, Mayor Van Peebles, Dirty Mao, and uh, Billy escape. Uh, from the gunfight. And by the way, I want to say Albert Pune knows how to shoot a gunfight so that it's not like it's quick, it's chaotic, it's chaos, you don't know where anything's coming from, and then you're out of it. I mean, it's not on par with Nemesis, which I still think is his, his greatest like action in terms of that. Like, I watched the movie Troma's War um, last week, and it's just people shooting guns standing still in the forest, and I'm just like, this is not entertaining or fun. Sorry, trauma fans. Like I love Toxic Avenger, I love uh, Class of Newcomb High, but uh, Trauma's War not up to snuff. Um, but yeah, but uh, and then we meet Burt Reynolds. Um, so Burt Reynolds plays the character of Dakota, who is an American detective. Invest. I'm assuming he works for the U.S. government or the CIA in some way because he's investigating crimes involving plutonium. In because uh, like the doctor says, I hear there was plutonium involved. That's why you're here. And that's why Burt Reynolds is kind of like investigating like this, this, this crime. Uh, but we learn when he go- goes into uh, visit Anna that he knows Anna from the past and he's actually happy now that Anna's clean because he just assumed she was still a junkie. Uh, where do we go from there, Phil? Uh, yeah, so uh, he's interviewing her and, you know, like she's giving him a hard time, like, 
oh yeah you're you're one of those texas guys you listen to perry como you're just like yeah i, I do like perry como but I'm and not from texas. You, yeah but i'm not from texas just because i wear a cowboy hat um and there's the, he follows it up with this funny exchange and Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is like sort of like a byproduct of like just like post Tarantino film where they like what I was gonna say, yeah, to clip. But uh, it was like there are two types of people in the world: those who like Neil Diamond and those who hate Neil Diamond. I happen to be in the latter category. It was like I thought for I sure really you would have liked Neil Diamond. <laughs> who doesn't like Neil Diamond? There, there, man, there are people, and I, it seems like a fair assessment. There are people who hate Neil Diamond, and there are people who really like him. My Nobody dad hated can... Neil Diamond, so... Wow. Really? Yeah, but it, it had more to do with... Uh, there's a lot. There's a backstory to it. But... Was it the blackface that Neil Diamond did? No, it uh, it has to do with the fact that um, you know his his mom, who was a troublesome woman, um, had a Neil Diamond best Neil Diamond tape in her car that she never removed, and it was there for like a full like five years when he was driving her around and had to listen. To oh, it. God, yeah, that yeah, would make me hate insane. anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah when he finally Caroline's inherited that car. Sorry, Sweet Caroline's a hate song of mine. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's overplayed to death. And not even a good song to begin with, but I, I do Neil Diamond every now and then. Mm-hmm. I grew up listening to a Neil Diamond Christmas album every Christmas. <laughs> Interesting, considering he's Jewish. Yeah, uh, he beat, beat Bob Dylan to the punch by a few decades, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, so where are we now? So basically Dakota, uh, not Dakota... So Dakota's kind of on the trail. He meets up with uh, a guy named Kraut, who he, who he calls Kraut, but it, the guy who's Kraut keeps saying, I'm Austrian. I eat... Strudel. Uh, Strudel. Not, uh, not, not uh, cabbage. Well, what is Kraut? Kraut is cabbage. Uh, sauerkraut is cabbage. Right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I always forget. But, um, but yeah, so, and he's kind of his partner... Um, and basically Dakota's just trying to get a lid on all this crazy stuff that's going on. Um, Anna goes and meets, so Billy is hiding out in like a crack den, his own little crack den. Uh, at this, I love it. At this point, his neon crack den. Yeah. I love it. He's got like an empty bird cage just hanging there for no reason. Um, one of those kind of hanging light bulbs, which doesn't turn on. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's the perfect crack den. I wanted to live in there. Look cozy. I, I did like when he was like putting yeah, his it's a bachelor apartment. Yeah, when he was putting it for like two thousand pounds a month. Um, when he was putting his like finger, sorry, euros, not pounds. I got that wrong. When he was putting his like finger in the crack <laughs> pipes to try and get his um, to get his fix, I was just like, oh man, like come on, don't do that. And then he like still not as bad as like the scene in in Combat Shock. Have you either of you guys ever seen Combat Shock? Years ago. Yeah, do you remember the scene where the heroin addict like uh, open can't find a syringe, so he just cuts open his arm and sprinkles it in his arm? Yeah, it's not as gross as that, yeah. but it's it's up there. And then he's like, and then Rob Lowe's like digging through the dirt trying to get his crack fix, and it just doesn't work. And simultaneous yeah. to this, uh, Raoul's men uh, find Tom Matthews's girlfriend who is laying low. They torture her and kill her, and this puts Tom Matthews on his road to revenge. 
kind of a very uh, uncomfortably they kill her too. It, you almost get the impression that he's um I don't know, he's doing something with a knife which should not be described. Yeah. Yeah. I do have to say it wasn't explicit for, for nope. it was very implied. Like I like Albert Pune has has not that many scenes of um of sexual violence in his work, despite the fact that he was producing like directing movies in the eighties when that was all the rage and nineties for that matter. Um and he he handled I think that was the best way to handle that, where it's like you just get the impression that something's going on, um, but you're not dwelling in it, you're not seeing it, and it and it ends. And it's, it's a long twenty seconds. So. Yeah, it's a long twenty seconds, but it's not like you're you don't feel like you need to go outside and hit yourself with a fire hose afterwards. And I don't mean yeah. like turn the fire hose on and let the water hit you. I mean take a fire hose and just go dink 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 dink. Um, that was a joke, guys. Come on. I know it's an, an irreversible joke. Uh, no, I meant like you've seen the movie. There's the beginning. There's the scene where. Yeah, this bit's just dying. <laughs> this is dying. Let's move it's, on. Uh, let's, let's move on. Yeah. Move on. Move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you could think like the Norm Macdonald approach of like explaining the joke, <laughs> joke until it dies. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, so, uh, where were we? Um, we are at, so basically now the things put in motion where Andrew and crazy six have to team. Although no, Anna meets up with Billy and they decide, she decides, Hey, I guess I'm just going to become a drug user again. Uh, I, I love this. Yes. It, well, it's just a great little bit of dialogue. I didn't write it down exactly. I kind of paraphrased. Mm-hmm. But he's all like, hey, so you quit crack, huh? And she's like, yeah, I did. I, I, I used to use, but I'm, I'm not a user anymore. And he's like, well, couldn't be me. I'm a, I'm a crack user for life. And she's like, I could start again. <laughs> <laughs> that's, for you. That, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah. it's like, sure. I, and then I, when she says I could start again, I guess another scene starts. So drums start kicking. And then we, uh, we go into uh, a Burt Reynolds and his partner scene. So yeah, so basically Raul, some of Raul's men are out guns a-blazing and they try and kill, so Bert, they realize Burt Reynolds is looking into the situation and they, there's a, a brief shoot-up between Burt Reynolds, his friend the Kraut, who's really Aust- Austrian, and the gunman, and because they're trying to get Crazy Six and Anna to find out what happened to the plutonium. And then, uh, so I can't remember... Does Crazy Six meet up with Tom Matthews before this or after this? Yes, Kit. I, I, I think it's after because um, basically they're in the drug den and they're... Oh, no, because they, they haven't started uh, reusing yet. They're just kind of sitting there. Yeah. This is before then because um, they leave together. Yeah. Uh, him and Anna. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but he kind of just comes out in the nick of time. They hear the shootout. Mm-hmm. And then one of the bad guys who was shot does one of my favorite bad guy tropes is that with his last dying breath on this, this mortal earth, he raises he's like, maybe, maybe I could shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hey, maybe, uh, maybe I was in the wrong here. Could somebody help me? I'm dying. I, I need, I need the assistance. He's like, I'm going to try to take this guy out. <laughs> You're coming with me. Uh, but then is it Anna or Billy shoots them? Billy, Billy does. He's, he's then, good with that gun, even though he's a crackhead. Yeah, which, which, trust me, from all the crackheads I encountered living at Queen and Bathurst years ago, they don't have that much coordination. <laughs> and 
and they and like Rob Lowe looks way too good for being a crackhead for years apparently. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? So Anna steals one of those guns and points it at Dakota, being like, "Don't try anything." And Dakota's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "I'm living my own life," you know. And then I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And then they go off to try and score some crack. And this is yeah, I, I love that too because Dakota is just literally. Um, just kneeling in front of his dead partner who's just been shot. He's not quite dead yet, but... And he's like, what, you're going to stick with this guy? Nice choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot he said, oh, good choice. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was quite amused by the death scene of uh, the Austrian partner. He's like, uh, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Don't die on me, crowd. <laughs> I'm in pain. He does say I'm in pain. It hurts a lot. Ah, <laughs> uh, wonderful acting. Um, so then, uh, oh man, I want to get to talk about this scene because I think it's funny. But next, we're treated to Billy and Anna. Yes, Kit. Well, I think this might be the scene you're talking about. It just it has the batshit crazy dialogue where they're just listing, like, I don't know, popsicle flavors or Kool-Aid flavors, or I, I don't even know. No, I wasn't going to do that at all. But, yeah, they talk about, like, oh, I'm Loudmouth Lemon, and I'm Fuzzy Frizz or something. She's Goofy Grape. I'm goofy like, what, grape. Are, what is yeah. happening? Is this flirtation? It's how people talked in the 90s, Kit. Don't you remember? We only talked in <laughs> pop culture references. We talked about phrases of Kool- like flavors of Kool-Aid and colors of crayons. Um, I'm Midnight Blue. I'm Sky Blue. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? So, like, they, they basically go to get some crack. And they get crack. That's the scene with the double exposure I was talking about. And then so they get jumped right away. Yeah. And then they go to smoke crack. And Billy, like, it, like lights it up for Anna. And she's like, I can't do this again. And I'm like, yes, that's what that's a smart thing to do. And so she mm-hmm. leaves. And this is where we, we learn that she has a daughter. And, um, and we see a bit of her backstory. Like, she flashes back to her prior to the movie when she was a street-walking junkie. Um, I almost said uh, street-walking cheetah with a heart full of napalm. Yes, Kit? <laughs> I, I do want to say that this this movie sometimes um, has some just really good shots. Mm-hmm. Some really nice, like, like the streetwalker on the corner, which she kind of, um, she sympathizes with and remembers that she used to do that. Mm-hmm. There's a few great shots of uh, Burt Reynolds leaning against a, a, a wall mm-hmm. and, like, looking on. Yep. It's got some good shots. No, uh, Well, the opening scene where the, the dialogue between Rob Lowe, uh, Tom Matthews, and uh, uh, the actress playing Tom, Ma- Tom Matthews' girlfriend, like that's, they're all basically in, in partial silhouette. Like if you notice, like they're, they're front, they're lit, they're back, they're looking out a window and the light is coming from the window. So they kind of have this, this interesting silhouette look. See, so, yeah, I mean, you know, Albert knows how to shoot something, thankfully. Like it's, it, it, it makes a lot of his movies like this film. If it wasn't as like crazy colors and, and insane images, might not have been as easy to sit through. Um, but where do we go from there? So uh, she goes off to visit her daughter, and we kind of get the backstory. She has a kid. She plays with him. Billy, you know, is starting to freak out. So this is when he goes back to his crack den and he runs into Tom Matthews. And I love this scene where he's just like, "Oh, what are you doing here?" And Tom Matthews is like, "I'm hiding out." Like, of course, I'm going to hide in, like, a crack hole where no one will ever find me, um, which just happens to be your place. I love it how it's, like, Rob Lowe's place is, like, the worst place that no one would ever want to look. And so that's why, like, 
Tom Matthews is <laughs> Why wouldn't I be? And this is when we we start to get the plan hatched. Um, uh, so Anna comes, when does Anna come back to talk to Rob Lowe about like, hey, we wanna, I want you to come with me and my daughter to another country to get my, uh, my music career going? Um, I, I don't know, it's near this scene, but they basically, they return. I think she's with Tom, like maybe he gets her. Yeah. Um, and, and Rob Lowe has overdosed on crack. He is just head down. He is unconscious. Oh, and they right, have to he, right. He and wakes up has, in the hospital. This leads to one of my favorite lines in the movie, which caused me to laugh out loud. Um, where he just, uh, he finally wakes up from his crack overdose in uh, coma. And like the first uh, words I think out of his mouth are, uh, where is it? I want to stop smoking rock so bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, Lord. It's, an, it's New Leaf Billy, though. It's a, This was different from his uh, attitude earlier in the film where he was like, man, I'm never going to give right. up smoking this This, this is stuff. when he gets the ponytail. He um, does not get off the crack yet, though. He, he, We have a whole montage where he goes back through Drug Dealer Alley. There's a weird song where mm -hmm. the lyrics are basically just, um, what is it? Um, let's get high, six. Let's get high, six. That's the lyrics <laughs> to the song. Nice. Um... And so then, basically, uh, they he meets up with Anna's daughter, and they kind of walk all three hand in hand. It's very cute and nice. And then uh, Anna and her daughter go back to her mother's, where she's going to drop off her daughter, and Six has finally got his life back together. And then uh, Raul, played by Ice-T, snatches Anna and forces her back on the crack. Yes, Kit? Well, his men snatch Anna, and that's kind of a funny scene, too, because they're, like, waiting... And then yeah. the, the cute little adorable girl comes out to feed a, a little a local cat some milk, I guess. Mm -hmm. And she puts the milk mm -hmm. down and they're like, there's a little girl, let's go. And then these, these men in like black trench coats come with their guns, their giant guns. And the little girl's just like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like a very raggedy kitten she's uh, feeding. Probably yeah. like a found stray. Yeah, yeah, probably was just on set that day by accident or something. Mm-hmm. Hey man, when inspiration strikes, you got to take it. Um, exactly. And so after that, um, Ice T basically like he you know ties her up and duct tapes her and covers her mouth and nose, but puts a crack pipe in her mouth so that she can breathe through the crack pipe. And then he keeps putting a rock. He put a crack rock in it and she blows it out, which I love. Like as soon as I, because I'm like, you can just blow it out, and she does, and it's great. Um, and then he puts it in and like forces her to smoke it, and so she gets high. And this is after when he smokes her. After, yes, he smacks her. Basically, the threat of either smoke crack or you'll get beaten. Um, and at this point, uh, Six and Tom Matthew and Andrew decide, all right, like, basically Six is like, I want to go and free Anna and get revenge. And Six is like, I've been saying this for the last hour of this movie. I want to go get revenge for my girlfriend, and you're only figuring it out now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I do love the fact that, like, Rob Lowe is able to single-handedly take out a bunch of like the Russian mob. Like I just was like, cause I remember him just going like, like just hitting them on the back, coming up out of nowhere, hitting them on the back of the head and they fall down. And then it's at this point that Andrew and Billy encounter Dakota. And this is where Dakota just starts spewing one liners at him. Like I'm old. I don't care. Yes, Kit. Was it just me or did Burt Reynolds seem a little sauced during these scenes? A little. I mean, yeah. he was he was leaning against walls and doorways quite a bit. So, <laughs> but there's even like a 
not on those line deliveries. They were well done, but towards towards the end too, it's a little bit of slurring of words, even. <laughs> that's my dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, or no, that's my new partner. Um, and uh, what was it? where do we go from here, guys? Phil, Kit, help me out. Well, I mean, they just they decide to go at Raúl. They're like, we'll we'll go into his club and. We'll get her back, and this is the most insane shootout. I have to say, when when Burt Reynolds shows up, and it's like now it's because it's like Tom Matthews is initially outside, I think, or something. Yeah, it's just it's just um, it's just six Billy. Yep. So when Billy goes inside, and uh, Burt Reynolds shows up, and he's like, now it's two against twenty nine. I like those odds. I loved Ice T's reaction to Burt Reynolds of like, oh my god, it's the cops. They found us. No, no, I actually wrote down his actual line. Sorry, I got it wrong. Oh, my God. It's the cops. We're busted. <laughs> so good. But he was, he was clearly meant, meaning it to be sarcastic and just he nailed that line as it was meant to be written. Yes, Kit? I, I also love the fact that um, so Ice-T brings Anna out. She's drug-addled and she's too confused to even, I guess, recognize that Billy is there or know that she's about to be saved. But she's standing in the middle of the room. Uh, with the 29 other guys and facing down Rob Lowe's Billy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rulo's like, well, we could we could do this right here. And then Billy's like, he's got two guns tucked into his pants. I don't know where he got these guns from. He's like, yeah, that's what I was wondering as well. Like, I, he's he's like, them? let's do it. Meanwhile, the girl you're trying to save is standing in the middle of this room. You want a giant shootout with her there? She's surely going to die if you do that. Of course, she doesn't because it's a movie, but... <laughs> I think you answered your own question there, Kit. It seems to go against the idea of saving her. It's just like, this is just nihilism. Like, let's all just kill each other. Is the vibe I got. Hey, man. When in Bratislava, do as the Bratislavians do. <laughs> um, it's a Bratislava. It's a Slovakian standoff, I guess. Yeah. So then, uh, luckily, um, Dirty Mao and his men come in to even the odds. There's a big old shootout. Uh, Raul gets shot, and they wind up having a Mexican standoff, according to Raul, even though I don't think it was exactly a Mexican standoff. Yes, Kit? Raul gets shot immediately, by the way. Burt Reynolds plugs him. Like, he's the first guy to go down in this gun shoot, gun battle. Because that's what you do. You take out the boss first, and then the henchmen are like, what do we do now? They're just, yeah, like, yeah, they'd be like, oh, crap, our boss I is I love that. There was one henchman who really annoyed me because he was doing the thing uh, where you point the gun sideways, which is not what people who own guns actually do. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he's standing for a while during this uh, just ridiculous gun battle, just like pointing his gun sideways and and shooting. But he looked cool. Yeah. I mean, that was like... He did not look cool. It never looks cool when people do that. (laughs) It just looks like they're an idiot. I know, but it's still, it's just... (laughs) It was the 90s, brah. Like, you know, it just was, that's what, the way it was done. Uh, I remember, do you remember, do you remember there was a, uh, a Danny Aiello detective show uh, briefly in the late 90s? Do you guys remember that at all? Not really, no. Yeah, they really tried to make it gritty. He was basically a private eye and then he got, he worked with the cops, but he did things his own way. And his character would always, I guess because it was fashionable, would just point his gun sideways and it just really annoyed me. Anyhow. I love the fact that private eyes are still a thing in popular culture. They don't exist anymore. Like 
private the, and also the private eyes that used to exist, it was more about like catching your spouse cheating on you. And then they like, the, like Chinatown. Exactly. And then they introduced no fault divorce in the sixties and all of a sudden there was no need for private eyes anymore. It's hilarious. Except for um, the show cheaters. Yeah. But I forgot oh. about that show. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. What a hot mess that was. Yeah. <laughs> like the episode where the host gets stabbed. <laughs> oh God. All those Lord. disturbing reality TV shows are just awful. My favorite was Shipmates. It's like we're gonna put two people on a ship together, and you're like, this is just no. She's a former Playboy playmate, and he works at Denny's. Can loves fly? Probably not. Um, it was no. such, it was such a blatantly fake show, like on top of everything. And that and first date, or what was it? Blind date was that show? Blind date, yeah. Terrible. Terrible stuff. Back to something good. Back to, to Crazy Six. So we're at the climax now. Um, uh, Dirty Mao shoots uh, Raul dead. But Dirty Mao dies too, right? But Raul shoots him. him. Right. Because he's a criminal. And he, and he, he says an explanation afterwards, well, I didn't shoot the dog. That was the thing, right? It's like, they're like, man, you shot him. He's like, at least I didn't shoot the dog. And then he takes Dirty Mao's dog and he's like, this is my new partner. Killer. He renames it Killer. The dog's name is Bijou up until that point, and now it's renamed Killer, my new partner. I like it. It's a cute joke. I, I did appreciate that. Yeah. Yes, Phil? Well, I mean uh, Bijou, a.k.a. Killer, because um, like, there's a scene where like, Mario Van Peebles is oh, right. like, he's like, the dog's my only friend, and because uh, I think like his henchmen, like they startle the dog, and Oh, he right, he like, don't, like, apologize. They almost sorry, dropped boss. something not... from above. Yeah, yeah, well, the, the line was like, sorry, boss, apologize to, to the dog, not to me. Sorry, Bijou. Yeah, and he's like, um, don't, do I have any friends? This is my only friend in the world. And then he asks his henchman, do I have any other friends? And the henchman's like, no, no. you don't, you don't have any friends. <laughs> You're very unlikable, Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so basically they all wind up back at the club. Uh, Anna is singing again. Billy is clean. Uh, well, no, because there's a, there's a funny part where he's like, I guess they're at the club and he's like, I can get clean. I promise. And it's just pathetic. And he's like, I swear I can. I can. And then he doesn't even finish the sentence cause he's too far gone. Oh, I thought uh, it was clean. No, no, not at that point. Because she's like, I can't be with you if you're going to be on drugs. And he's like, I can get clean, I swear. I, I can get clean. Oh. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, maybe they're, maybe they're going to end on this note. It's just kind of a hopeless kind of thing for Billy. And maybe that's a true portrayal. But we know that he gets clean because, as you said, he puts his hair in a ponytail. And he gets a car somehow. Oh, yeah. You know, somehow he's approved for a, for a car loan. Andrew gives him the keys to a car. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All's well that ends well. That's probably what it is. Mm-hmm. He gets approved for a car loan because he's no <laughs> longer on the uh, on the rock. It's like, well, sir, let me see the back of your head. Yes, you have a ponytail. <laughs> okay, uh, you're good to go. And so then he shows up at the club again. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should point out that the club is like, I don't know, it's like one of these like with uh, little lounge chairs and everywhere, and you've got the one singer with her little Casio keyboard. It Nobody's wasn't a Casio. It was a, okay. a higher-end. 
higher end, but nobody is paying attention to her what's at all in the club. They're all just kind of having conversations and looking other ways. And mm-hmm. she's a very lonesome singer up there on that stage. Yeah. But then she's reunited with Billy. Um, Dakota is there with his little dog. And basically, Billy and Anna decide to live happily ever after. And cue credits. I love that, too, how she's uh, lived her whole life with drug addicts. And Rob Lowe shows up and he's like, I told you I could get clean. And she's like, that must be it from now on. And you certainly won't have any relapses. We're good to go. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The end. Yeah, that was uh, Crazy Six. So, Phil, what are your final thoughts on Crazy Six? Or final thoughts? Just thoughts. You You were a fan. I was not a fan. Mm I've enjoyed all of the other Albert Pune movies we've watched on the show to varying degrees, but I, at the very least, enjoyed them somewhat. But this was just... No. Uh, yeah, he just... A lot of the movie felt incoherent, um, especially the action scenes. I know you like the action scenes, and generally he films action scenes really well, but like it just seemed really sloppy to me. And to go back to your point, because... Um, you had mentioned that like Ice T wasn't in the same sharing any scenes with any of the other yeah. lead actors. That final shootout felt like it was two separate scenes filmed that were spliced together. And apparently so, because like it it looks that way, and it it's like okay, I'm just watching two different shootouts that are uh, spliced together to make it look like it's one shootout. And I'm not buying it. Okay. I mean, that's fair criticism. Yeah. And uh, it also felt really padded out, even though the movie's not even 90 minutes counting the credits, because, like, the credit sequences are really long. Oh, yeah, the end credits when they reshow clips of all the main actors again. Yeah. I like that in movies, but I was also just like, who is this character? Why are we seeing them? Even for, like, Max von Peebles, who doesn't have any lines, we get a little shot of what he was doing. Exactly. Why not? Like the surgeon at the hospital. Like he gets <laughs> Anybody who had a spoken line. Yeah. Kit, what are your yeah. thoughts on uh, on uh, Crazy Six? Um, I mean, yeah. It, it's, I, I love Albert. Happy birthday, Albert. And I don't want to be too critical to our uh, to our guy. But yeah, it wasn't, wasn't my favorite of his, that's for sure. Um, it's just, I don't know. I, just uh, hearing uh, Phil talk, too. It kind of appears that um, post-production on this film was really rushed and they couldn't do any reshoots or fix any problems that they encountered there. So they're like, ah, we'll figure it out, whatever. It's another drug haze moment. We'll, uh, we'll fix it that way. Um, it's, it's like characters just kind of float in and float out um, whenever it's convenient. It feels like something's missing from the film. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I did enjoy some aspects of it. Um, Burt Reynolds, certainly, uh, especially in that first scene where uh, he's with uh, Anna in the hospital room. Yeah. And before when he's kind of bantering with the doctor, it seems like Burt Reynolds thought he was signing up for a much better film <laughs> and he's acting like it. But then by the time you get to the shootout, he's like, I realize what picture I'm in now. Who cares? <laughs> um, but yeah, and Mario Von Peebles is kind of a, a delight. It's one of the one of them. I liked his, uh, his allons-y, mes enfants, when he's, uh, he's trying to get Rob Lowe to hurry up. And he's like, I guess that means hurry up, my child. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> That's All why right, I wrote down, he's very, very suspect as a Frenchman. 
I, I enjoyed this film. I, I won't lie. Like it's one of those things like I kind of, you know, I know that Albert Pune was working with like a lot of like compromised budgets and production values at the time, but I felt that this film was very slick. I really liked its aesthetic, which I know you guys weren't, but like it took me a while at first. I'm like, why are they crossfading when they should be cutting? But I realized it's all supposed to be like how it feels to be swimming around in, in Billy's head. Um, I enjoyed Burt Reynolds a lot. Like I love that whole, like, again, I'm over 50 years old. Yesterday I ate a sandwich that was older than you line just out of nowhere. Um, I thought that, I mean, my, my big criticism is just Rob Lowe in general. Like I don't think he had the range to pull off a drug addict who was like desperate to, to score his next thing. I love Tom Matthews, but I I do say, like, I love Tom Matthews. I thought he was really good in the role. He's one of those guys where, I kept I, watching this movie, I'm like, why didn't he have a bigger career? Because, you know, he was the lead of two, like, successful horror movies of the 1980s, the ones that keeps getting looked back to with Friday the 13th Part Six and Return of the Living Dead. And he's a good actor. Like, you, like he, you, you'd never question him. Like, it's, you never point to anything he does in the movie that's like, why do you do that? Yes, Kit? Well, you know what could have worked mm-hmm. is, A, um, putting Tom Matthews in the Rob Lowe role, might have been a yeah. lot better. Yeah. Or B, a thought that I had during the movie, switch the Ice-T and Rob Lowe roles. Have Rob Lowe do that kind of um, weapons, kingpin, slick kind of upper management thing that he has built his career on and he's really good at. And have Ice-T do like the, the crackhead kind of uh, lone wolf type character, which I think he could probably pull off. I always like ice, seeing Ice-T in movies. Yeah. Go ahead, Phil. Yeah, I wonder if they just got Rob Lowe just for finance for finance reasons. Probably to get other people involved too. Like, hey, we got Rob Lowe in this. Uh, who else wants to be here? Even though he didn't really have his renaissance at this point, I guess like the Austin Powers movies and like he had Wayne's World, but like otherwise, you know. Yeah, it was actually. It was, it was, it was, was he was still kind of in the dumps, and the only reason why he was in Wayne's World to begin with was because he was desperate for work. After the scandal. After the scandal. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. Like, like I think Kit was saying, like, it was the West Wing that kind of led to his renaissance. Yeah. But, um, but it was probably just to sell it because it's like, hey, we have one of the Brat Pack. You know, we can sell it on exactly. that. You know, he's a known quantity. Like, we've got Ice-T. We have Burt Reynolds. We need one more. And so they got, you know, I'm sorry, Mario Van Peebles. Like, I'm a huge fan of Mario Van Peebles. But I don't think he was putting butts in seats as much as, as, as the other guys were. Um, and I think that Albert Pune discovered a good talent in Ivana Milicevic, who played Anna. Like, she – I always remembered her from – there was a terrible romantic late 90s, early 2000s comedy. I think it was probably even the year 2000, Head Over Heels. You remember that movie about um, basically this woman who becomes roommates with a bunch of supermodels who falls for Freddie Prince Jr., but it turns out Freddie Prince Jr. is like a spy or something. I do and remember I think, that, yeah. But, and Ivana Milicevic, I always remember her being super funny in that movie. And she went on to appear in, of course, Casino Royale. She, she, yeah, she's been in so many things. Casino Royale, um, uh, what else? She was on Friends. She's still acting now. Like she was, I think, the lead of Banshee, that show a couple of years ago. And most recently, she was the lead of another television show, um, Strike Back. So I'm pretty sure she's the only Eastern European in the past. That's true. She, oh, yeah, The 100 was the other series that she was on. And she was on Gotham. I mean, she's, she's, she's legitimately a good actress. I mean, 
she came out of the whole like 90s supermodel actress like thing. But uh, I actually think that she kind of deserved, much like Tom Matthews, deserved probably like a bigger career other than just being the pretty girl in the in the in the movie. But um, but yeah, so that was Crazy Six. Uh, I guess again, happy birthday, Albert Pune, from all of us to you. Uh, we are still huge fans of your work, and we do await the day when we can interview you in person. Um, uh, since it is Albert Pune's birthday, guys, out of the Albert Pune movies we've watched, what are your personal favorites so far? Hmm. I think myself, Dangerously Close, maybe? Such a good one, yeah. That was a really good one. I really enjoyed that. And I also did enjoy the other Ice-T one. Um, damn it, what was that called? With Christophe Lambert. Mean Guns. Mean Guns, yeah. I kind of, I thought that was fun. Yeah. Phil? Yeah, I'd have to, I'm with Kid on this one. Easily Dangerously Close is my favorite. Um, Radioactive Dreams was a lot of fun. Um, mm -hmm. Mean Guns was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, Dangerously Close is definitely my number one. And of course, Dollman is a doozy. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. I even uh, I was critical of Nemesis when we watched it in theaters, but I'm, I'm coming around to it more so. I, I wouldn't mind a rewatch. I think it's on Prime. Um, I've got the German Blu-ray. Of course, I bought the German Blu-ray and imported it like the week before they announced, we're doing American Blu-rays now. And I was like, ugh. So I've got, you know, a German Blu-ray that, like, I'm, like, kind of picking and choosing, like, what the hell does this mean when I click a button? But, yeah, Nemesis, I think, give it a rewatch. Like, watching it again, like, especially in its cleaned-up HD presentation now, it's solid. It's really good. Um, and with for me, I got to go with Dangerously Close as well. I think Lillian would agree, Dangerously Close. Uh, Radioactive Dreams, I just dig. You guys haven't seen Alien from L.A., though. So I've got that. No, when when this pandemic finally lifts, is, that the, hmm? is that the Kathy Ireland one or yeah yeah it's the Kathy Ireland one. But the interesting thing about that is that have I told you about that before? Where like she's the alien, but it's because she's actually from LA but falls into an underworld, so she's alien to everyone else in the underworld. Uh, yeah. And it's interesting because again, Albert Pune is giving a person who would normally just be the hot eye candy in the movie an actual role. Like she's not a bimbo in the film. She's actually like a, uh, an intelligent character who uses her actual trip to the underworld to basically improve her own self-esteem back on earth. Uh, there's another one. I think you have the Blu-ray of it. I was curious about it. It's, it was like the second one that Albert Pune did with uh, Tom Matthews. And also I think it's uh, Carrie Lowell who's the protagonist. I think down is in the title. From I think it was one he did after Dangerously Close. I got I can look it up. I'm like I'm trying to remember. Like I I, I um, hang on. Where go also on. shout out to Cyborg, of course. Yes, of course. I really wish that he would call his Cyborg Two the Passion of the Clod. <laughs> oh, Down Twisted. I I haven't seen Down Twisted. Oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I haven't seen Down Twisted. I've heard good things, but I've, I've yet to see it. It's hard to find. But yeah, uh, I also, like, Vicious Lips is, it, that was his attempt to make a feature film in, like, three days. Um, and he, he almost pulls it off. I mean, it's one of those ambitious things of, like, you got three days to shoot an outer space rock opera. Go! And, uh... <laughs> if any man can do it. Yeah, it's, it's Albert Pune. Um, all right, so for that, for, uh, I'm not sure what we'll be watching next time. But Albert Pune again, happy birthday for Death by Video. I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I'm always Graham saying, 
Please be sure to rewind. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe and healthy. Good night.